down front, you're welcome to do that. Parents, you're, you're of course welcome to join it as well. We're gonna have a time for our young disciples, so come on down. So glad to see you guys. Come on down. There's more room on the carpet if you want to sit where it's soft. There you go. Has anybody ever called you a name that you didn't like? Maybe. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Okay, good to know. Once when I was a kid, someone called me sow. Do you know what that means? It's a big pig. And I did not like it. So there's lots of times that people can call each other mean names. But there's also nice names, like in your family. Sometimes parents might call their kids sweetie or pumpkin or buddy or something like that. Do any of you have names like that in your family? Yeah? What, what's the name from your family? This scout's going to talk right back here, but you did a good job before. What was that? Pumpkin is the one in your family. Anybody else have one? So those are nice names, right? I call those the love names. And God has love names for us. Some of them are written down in the Bible. And today with the adults, we're going to be talking about one of my favorites, which is when God calls us my delight. Delight means something you're really happy about, like I delight in cherry pie. But do you know what God delights in? You, and you, and you, and you, and you. God delights in you guys. So he's really happy to be with you. He loves it when you're with him and when you talk with him and he likes watching you and seeing you play. So if anybody ever calls you something mean or maybe you're just having a down day or you don't feel great, you can remember, I'm someone that God delights in. That's one of my names, my delight. Let me pray for you guys. Lord Jesus, I pray that these young friends would receive your delight in them, that they would know that and it would last them their whole life long. Amen. Thanks for coming up. Thank you for contributing. Okay, we're getting the mask thing going here and the mic. I think this is one of the harder things about preaching. Today I managed to get the mic stuck up my nose while I was putting my mask on. <laughs> Welcome. So glad that you're here. Usually I get to sit where you are. Today I get to play the other end. Ladies and gentlemen, pardon the interruption for this important news. There's been a COVID outbreak at the Boulder County Office for Changing Names. Great. How are things at the office there? Well, as you can see, it's closed, leaving many people disappointed. 
down here. Well, I was in line to get my name changed, but now who knows how long that will take. And what is your name? All of you. Um, I love you too, I guess, in a platonic sort of way. No, my name is Olive You. I can see why you would want that changed. And there's plenty of options, so what were you thinking of going with? Tomorrow night? Um, well, okay, like a movie or something? <laughs> How about just coffee? Just coffee? Sorry to cut you off, Frank, but we urgently need to contact others who've recently been to the J name change office. Paige Turner, Isadora Bell, Robin Bates, Burton Gurney, and karaoke. If you have information, call the station and ask for me, Pete Bloss, or Frank Einstein. Thank you to Sophie and Nick and Don. Some names beg to be changed. In the newscast, the names are funny or they're awkward, but what if you had a really terrible name, like desolate or deserted? Let's hear what Isaiah 62 has to say about this. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your vindication, and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate, but you will be called Hephzibah. That one took me a while. And your land Beulah. For the Lord will take delight in you, and your land will be married. As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent, day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest, and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm, never again will I give your grain as food for your enemies, and never again will foreigners drink the new wine for which you have toiled. But those who harvest it will eat it and praise the Lord, and those who gather the grapes will drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. Pass through, pass through the gates, prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway, remove the stones, raise a banner for the nations. The Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, see your savior comes. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. They will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you will be called sought after, the city no longer deserted. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts this morning to your word and teach us. Amen. 
We're in a series called All Things New, and today is about new names, as you probably already picked up. Jerusalem was in a difficult period at the time that this prophecy is addressed to. In the 6th century BCE, the Babylonians uh, took over the city. They ransacked the temple, the palace. They broke down the walls. They deported most of the people to serve in their own country, and they burned it. In December, when I was assigned this passage, I was trying to envision what this was like, and I thought to myself, oh, maybe like Kentucky and Tennessee after those tornadoes. But I never would have imagined that I would be thinking, oh, like, like Louisville and Superior. But that's where we are, right? So I, I feel like we can relate to the situation that this passage was spoken into and that it has something special for us, that this was actually chosen ahead of time. But who knew, right? The Lord knew. So it's no wonder uh, in this situation that they need their name changed. And it turns out there is a divine name change office. It's not too surprising because in the Bible, names are very important. They have significance, they have meaning, and they're often about a person's destiny. They're about their identity. And it's a good thing that there is a name change office because all of us sometimes carry names, identifiers that we think we ought to get rid of. And for Jerusalem, deserted and desolate are the ones that are given here as their old names. Deserted can also uh, have the connotation of forsaken in Hebrew. Desolate, uh, you might think of the word devastated, sometimes translated that way. The new names are multiple in the passage here. Some of them are at the very end here in verse 12. Holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, sought after, a city no longer deserted. So these are showing the 180 that God is going to do uh, for Jerusalem. It's really a beautiful, hopeful passage. So words like recompense, vindication, glory, these beautiful images like Jerusalem as a crown for the Lord and a, a diadem, which is also a type of crown. We sang crown him with many crowns in the early service. Did you know that the crown the Lord delights in wearing is his people? It says their salvation will be shining out like a torch. They will be shining like the dawn. So this is a wonderful image uh, that is portrayed here in the prophecy. And Jerusalem was rebuilt. And uh, after about 70 years in stages, you can read about it in the Bible, Nehemiah, Ezra, Zerubbabel, all those people. Uh, and so there was a portion of this prophecy that was fulfilled in more or less the period of the original hearers. But much of this, the extravagance of it, makes me think the final fulfillment will be when the new heaven and the new earth are here, as Randy preached about last time, after Jesus returns. In fact, on the new earth is the new Jerusalem, it says in Revelation. And the new Jerusalem is not just the place where 
people who had originally been inhabitants of Jerusalem live. It actually is for all of God's people. So that's us, right? So this prophecy is also about us. The two names that I'd really like to focus on today are in verse 4. You will be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah, for the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married. Hephzibah means the Lord takes delight. Beulah means married. And then uh, the prophet goes on to describe this a little more. As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will God rejoice over you. So this name, the Lord's delight, married to the Lord, it's really a name about love. And there's a particular image about what that love looks like here, the bridegroom. Have you ever known a young bridegroom anticipating getting married? What's that like to watch them? They are intense, right? There is a longing. It's scary. <laughs> they are scared, probably. There's a passion. One of my friends said, this is practically an R-rated passage. <laughs> it's about deep love and a desire to commit forever, right? When Will and I were dating and I was growing and learning about the love of God, one day I thought to myself, oh, God is like Will. That made Will laugh. <laughs> because the truth, of course, is that Will is a little bit like God. But it was, it was a new picture for me. Like, this is what love looks like. It looks like pursuit. It looks like delight. It looks like joy in me. It looks like someone who values me. It looks like someone who wants to be with me all the rest of their lives. This is the love of God. And all of our human relationships have a little bit of that reflection, right? A little bit like God's love, but, but God's love is so much greater. But this bridegroom image is used a lot in the Bible. In the New Testament, Jesus is the bridegroom, and the church, his people, are the bride. So this is both present tense and also will be completed in the future, in, in the coming kingdom. So that means if you are a believer, if you are following the Lord, you already have this new name. You are married to the Lord. That's what it says, right? He delights in you. It's for us. I have a young friend who thinks that he may never take a wife. And we were looking at some passages like this one day, and he said, oh, I still get to have a wedding. And he was right, but not just a wedding. He will be part of the wedding, the wedding feast of the Lamb that happens in Revelation, to which no human wedding could hold a candle, right? There's no comparison. This is the central relationship around which everything in life revolves, is the Lord's deep and passionate love for us, and it's available to everybody. In a wedding, people make vows, right? 
among humans, it's, it's good for us to make vows. It's important, love, honor, cherish. But by the time the day is out, probably in some small way, those vows have already been broken. Weddings are stressful days and those things happen. And sometimes, sadly, the relationship can be broken altogether. But the Lord also makes vows. Later on in the passage, you were hearing about what the Lord has sworn to do for Jerusalem. All over the scriptures, we see the Lord's oaths about his love for his people and what he intends to do. So his vow to you is never going to be broken. He's never impatient. He will never leave you. He's never angry out of turn. He's never demanding his own way. And it's not a vow till death do us part, because death is not going to part us. It's the vow for all eternity. This is the Lord's commitment to us. It could be hard, I think, to take this in. It's hard sometimes for us to believe that. A lot of us probably, we have intellectual assent of God's love, but I just want you to receive Jesus loves you in this way, this passionate, committed, steadfast, loyal, tender, and intimate love. Yeah. Let me just say, if you're a visitor today investigating Jesus, or maybe you've been going to church here for decades and have never really moved into that love relationship with him, God already has that passionate love for you, and he is longing for it to be mutual when you're ready. So this is our name. Our name is loved by God, married to God, God's delight. Does this mean that who we are has somehow been eliminated? No. Have you been in a friendship where the friendship actually brings out the true you? This is what's going on. God's love brings out our true identity. We walk into this new name that is everything that we are meant to be. And it's already there for us. We just have to move into it. Let's think a minute about the impact that this prophecy might have had on the original hearers and what it might do for us. So one thing that I'm sure uh, came to them is hope. And aren't we also pretty desperately in need of hope after the last couple of years? Second, it reminded them of what's true and what's not true. So it says, you have been called desolate and deserted. By whom? It doesn't say. Perhaps even by themselves. But it wasn't true that they were deserted, right? God is saying, no, I love you. I'm with you. And behind the scenes, I am working towards your beautiful future. So one of these old names was not true and needed to be discarded. What is true is that God's love lasts forever. 
Now, when we're in a situation like we are, like post-fire, or other sufferings you have had, I just think it's a natural human inclination to doubt the love of God. I just think that's where we usually end up. For me, that's certainly the case. So I might not voice it that way, but I think to myself, maybe God has left me. Like, how could this happen if he were with me? Or how could a loving God allow, and you fill in the blank, right? There's a lot of ways that blank could be filled in these days. So these are normal questions. Like, we, we need to come to him with those, and we need to work through that. We have our shock. We have our grief. We might have anger. But alongside of all of that, we need to remind ourselves of what's true and keep going back to the love of God and his goodness, which we see in the scriptures. The third thing uh, that I think this passage would have done for the original hearers was radically expand their idea of restoration. Now, Jerusalem was rebuilt. By the time of Jesus, it's a, it's a great city, right? But there was more to it than buildings. We've all just had a really severe reminder of how temporary buildings are, and most other stuff. The restoration that's talked about in this passage, it's about people, right? And it's about people in love relationship with the Lord, and then all that happens because the people are in right relationship with the Lord. People are eating what they've labored for. They're eating in peace. They do it in the presence of the Lord. There's justice in that. All of these things flow out of this right relationship between them and the Lord. So as we think of our county and as we pray, we can pray that those who don't yet know the love of God would be prompted by this suffering to seek him. And we can open our mouths and say what we know. But we also need to pray for ourselves. To pray that we would deepen in the love of God. That we could take this in. In times like this, uh, we are all very challenged. There are hard times. And so we need to pray for our own hearts to be open to the Lord. Now, you might think to yourself, I, I don't know. This sounds kind of selfish. There's so many people around in need. Isn't it a time to be thinking about others? But I'll just remind you what we've been learning on the news. This is going to be a long-haul recovery. We've got a lot of years to come in this. And if we're going to keep offering love and care, we need to be going to the well ourselves then we can hand off the water, and we can point people towards the well. For myself, the last couple of years have been a really difficult time, and I think that would be the case for most of us, right? We've had COVID. We've had terrible divisions in our nation. We've had the King Super shooting. We've had difficulties in our church, and now we have this fire. And in the midst of the whole thing, I have felt the Lord's call to me. Come in closer. Come deepen. I think probably because my faith is not deep enough for the challenges that I am facing. He says, come in. I want to show you my love. And he's given me some specific 
steps, uh, things to do. So one of them right now for me is spending 20 minutes most mornings in silence before him. And something is happening, which I was not sure I really knew how to talk about because I don't, I don't have a lot of words, but so, there's something new happening with his love for me. Not that he's different, but I'm getting it a little more. Like, I, I feel his tenderness, his constancy, his nearness. My love for him is growing, which h how could it not when I see how he loves me? So it's been a, a beautiful gift to me in the midst of what feels like so much chaos. But I really think this is God's call for his people in this area. That in the face of these trials, we need to come in closer and receive his love and grow in it. So I don't care how wizened a saint you are. I mean, we have some really mature believers in this church. But I can tell for certain that you have hardly scratched the surface of God's love. How do I know that? Because it is so immense. In, in the first service, we sang the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless. Something we could never describe, much less completely explore. There is so much more for you. We are like people with the winning lottery ticket in our pocket, and we don't know it, and we walk around and never cash it in. We are so passionately loved and so oblivious to it. We have to move in closer to him. If you ask him, if you surrender, he will show you the path. He has a path for you. I would say honestly that one of the paths is suffering. There's a call to deepen out of the kind of suffering we've gone through, but there is also something inherent in the suffering that opens our hearts to him. I've found that in my life over and over again. In my 20s, when I had a very long illness, after the death of my dad, again now, there is a door open to a sweetness with the Lord if I will walk through it. He is indeed near the brokenhearted and wants us to come nearer to him. There's a lot going on right now, but I so implore you, make some space in your life to go deeper with the Lord and receive more of his love. I have a little exercise uh, that I thought might just get us started in this. I think habits are really important in receiving the love of God because it's not a one-time thing, right? You gotta do it over and over again. So in your pews, there's a name tag. I thought I would just give us a little habit that we could practice uh, this week as a church. So for you online, this is the time for pen and paper. And you could write on the top of your paper, hello, my name is, which is what's written on the name tag. Now, some of you might have already put your name tags on with your name on it, that's fine. But you can take them off or pick up another one. And can we have this slide? Write on your name tag one of these names, the Lord's Delight, or Married to the Lord. Or if you want something simpler, just 
one God loves. Now you can wear it today if you want, but what I'm really after is that you take it home and put it somewhere where you will see it every morning. For me, that's the bathroom mirror. Maybe it's the coffee maker for you, or you stick it in your Bible or someplace. And when you see it, take one minute to receive the love of God. Do you have one extra minute in the morning? You might just be silent. You might need words. You could say to him, open my heart to your love, or help me believe my name. Let me live into it. Take one minute. And then see how this impacts your day. I've been wearing my name tag around for a few days now. One side says, my name is married to the Lord, and the other says, the Lord's delight. And I've been kind of surprised at how much impact this has had for me. So uh, the sense of constancy has been great for me. I've done some things that I know don't please the Lord, and it's still here. There, and in challenges, I, I find myself hanging on to that. Okay, I know you love me. Let's, let's tackle this one. So I'm hoping that good could come for you out of having this name tag. And then in Monday's email, I'll suggest to you several other habits that could help you go deeper. Uh, or maybe the Lord has his own unique path for you. But I'm hoping that we can take up this call. What would happen if God's people in this county moved deeper into his love? His love is transformative. What, what would happen here? In C.S. Lewis' book, The Horse and His Boy, there is a young boy for whom the words desolate and deserted uh, would apply well. What he doesn't know is that he's actually the child of a king and was lost in an accident early on. He goes through a lot of adventures, and eventually he meets the king. He receives his new identity and a new name. Not new to the king, but new to the boy. You could end the book there, but Lewis wisely goes on to say, it took him quite a while to learn to live in the new identity. And that's the case for us, right? It takes us a while to learn, but we can grow in this. The Lord can lead us in this, and wonderful things will come of it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's a good thing that you do this because we are not capable. We cannot rename ourselves. We cannot restore our county. But it's you, Lord. We trust in you and we surrender to you. Lord, let us know our names. Open our hearts to your love. Amen.
Joe has a song for us that I'm hoping you can take in as God's love for you. And then he's going to lead us in a little practice with the name tags where we can have a moment of silence to receive the Lord's love. Indeed. Well, this is a song that we, uh, at least for this week, are just going to sing over you. Next week, uh, we're, we're going to ask you to sing it with us. But this is, we're just going to take